0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A blog post from a naturopath is prompting grave concerns from BC's provincial health officer.
1: The post describes giving a child with behavioral problems, a homeopathic remedy using rabid dog saliva. Grace Key explains how it's supposed to work and the concerns raised by BC's top doctor. She's been called a witch doctor and a
2: quack after treating a four-year-old boy with behavioral problems with lysina, a homeopathic remedy made from the saliva of a rabid dog. Here you go. Watch me take some. The Vancouver Island boy showed aggression at his preschool, hiding under tables, growling at people and licking his mother. Victoria naturopathic physician Anke Zimmerman found out he was bitten by a dog when he was two years old, breaking the skin. On her blog, she writes, a bite from an animal with or without rabies vaccination has the potential to imprint an altered state in the person who was bitten in some way similar to a rabies infection.
3: Basically, it doesn't contain any of the original active ingredients. It works via a different mechanism, which we don't completely understand right now.
2: The BC Health Minister says Health Canada did approve the product.
4: The federal government has responsibility, but often people overstate the value of that federal approval.
2: In a statement, B.C. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry writes, I am concerned that if a product did actually contain what it is suggested, saliva from a rabid dog, that would put the patient at risk of contracting rabies, a serious fatal illness. So I completely
3: get that people think it's crazy, you know, this whole process of dilution, agitation, and then you're still giving it, yeah, it does sound crazy, I I agree. But We can't deny that it works. 600 million people around the world are using homeopathy.
2: Zimmerman says she's been getting plenty of criticism, but the child is doing much better.
3: You're a quack. You're not a real doctor. You should be in jail. This little boy could have potentially been hamstrung his whole life by excess aggression. If he would have kept on the path he was on, potentially... Who knows what would have happened to him.
2: The provincial health officer will be contacting Health Canada to review the approval of the product. Grace Key, Global News.
0: Surrey RCMP need your help identifying a suspect in a sexual assault. Mounties, want you to give them a call if you recognize this man. On March 15th, a woman was allegedly groped while shopping at a store in the 10100 block of King George Boulevard. The suspect is described as South Asian with a partial beard, approximately 5 feet, 10 inches tall, weighing around 160 pounds. Anyone with information, again, is asked to contact police or crime stoppers.
1: The province has introduced new legislation that, if passed, will crack down on deadbeat parents. The goal is to get those who fall behind in paying child support to settle up or face immediate consequences. Ramina Dea has more on what those consequences are... And why some say it could actually make things worse. In a year and a half, not one
5: cent. $8,000. That's how much Jane Bakewell says her ex owes in child support for her 18 year old son, Tyler. The single mom's reaction to the government's new legislation that would allow ICBC to cancel the driver's license of someone who owes more than three grand in child support payments. Love
6: it. It is about time. We have needed to do this to uh, the guys that haven't been paying.
5: Currently, the Family Maintenance and Enforcement Program can only tell ICBC to refuse a driver's license at the time of renewal, which is every five years. If passed, the new legislation would give FMEP the power to act immediately.
7: That means that they can act more quickly because uh, three years or four years is a long time in the life of a child that's not receiving child support.
5: Parents who continue to refuse to pay child support could also be denied a passport or even have money taken off their income tax returns and employment benefits. Cancelling a person's driver's license to gain compliance won't work, says one legal expert.
8: But it's actually going to take away the licenses of individuals who could be using those licenses to work or to get to work, take away earning opportunities for those individuals and make it actually harder for them to correct the arrears and to pay the uh, support that they owe.
5: Bakewell disagrees. She's confident the new rules would equal conformity. It needs to happen because that is going to put fire under them to give the money to, to their children. If the new legislation passes, a parent will get 30 days to set up a payment plan or pay off overdue child support before their license is canceled. Romina Dea, Global News.
0: Members of Alexa's team were recognized today for their work to keep drunk drivers off the road. The team named after Alexa Middlear, who was just four years old when she was killed by a drunk driver in May of 2008. Carol Berner was sentenced to two-and-a-half years in prison and given a five-year driving ban. Alexa's team has grown from 26 RCMP and municipal police officers to 2,400 right across B.C. Today at the Justice Institute in New Westminster, they were honored by MAD and ICBC. <laughs>
9: That first team was comprised of 26 members in the lower mainland who had successfully laid 10 criminal code impairment charges in 2008. And when we first met these men and women and sensed their commitment and drive, it was a transformational experience for Michael and me. In the midst of that grey drudgery of early grief, there is not a great deal of sunshine. That day, That day, I felt the warm rays of hope and possibility.
0: Since 2008, members of Alexa's team have removed more than 86,000 suspected impaired drivers from B.C. Roads.
1: A familiar fog will be hanging around downtown Vancouver this Friday. The haze of those 420 celebrations. And with the forecast calling for rain once again this year, there are concerns about Sunset Beach turning into a mud pit. Our Jeff Hastings has more on the event and what's being done to mitigate the damage. Jeff.
10: Yeah, Sophie, the Vancouver Park Board doesn't want the 420 protest and celebration to be held in this park, or any other Vancouver park for that matter, but they know it's going to happen anyway.
11: Hey, it's a beautiful field. Saturday, it will be a mud pit.
10: The fear is that the flowers don't stand a chance, and that the grass won't either, when an anticipated 100,000 cannabis fans pass through Sunset Beach Park this Friday,
0: 420. This will be our 24th annual 420 event and pretty much every one for the last 24 years has been the biggest one ever.
11: Why don't they have it somewhere where it's paved and then they would create no damage.
10: Compare today to after last year's pro pot protest and celebration. The park was part mud pit closed off for weeks for reseeding.
3: Go ahead, you know, go to town, but uh, but not not don't wreck the park.
10: And with looming legalization, some don't see the disruption and destruction as necessary.
3: I'm thinking it's maybe just a
2: good reason to come out and <laughs> smoke up with your buddies. I think that they've made their point and that maybe they should uh, declare it a victory and move on.
10: The Vancouver Park Board won't permit the event, and with a wet forecast, are especially worried about the aftermath damage, and potential park closure. I think, myself,
7: it's more the inconvenience to the public, or perhaps I'd say even more than inconvenience. They're not able to use this park space, and it belongs to all of us.
0: This year, we've invested $30,000 in special Duradec material to put down over the sections of the park that were most damaged last year.
10: 420 paid back almost
4: $7,000
10: last year. Costs exceeded 200000 and the park board chair isn't confident taxpayers won't be left with the check again.
4: I imagine they will be footing the bill
7: again. Um, this is why we ask the 420 organizers not to come here, to find another location that's better for the city, better for the residents, and probably better for their organization.
10: We're told that each year's Vancouver 420 celebration is bigger than the one before. This year should be no exception, but next year, when 420 falls on a Saturday after legalization, should be the biggest one of them all.
0: Back to you. All right, thanks for that, Jeff. Well, the rain and melting snowpack is raising the flood risk in other parts of the province. An evacuation alert and local state of emergency has been expanded in the Okanagan Similkameen. And John Waugh now with a look at the danger and who's affected.
12: A steady stream of water splitting apart Sportsman Bowl Road near Oliver like it was butter.
13: Everything is so super saturated. I think it's just common knowledge that that uh, roadbed probably couldn't handle it.
12: The damage here is just a sample of what could happen, with growing fears that a South Okanagan dam and culvert system could fail. If it breaks, it's going to be
4: all flooded here.
12: Ross Sarabi lives in just one of the 148 properties, now part of an expanded state of emergency and evacuation alert in the regional district of Okanagan Simokameen.
4: That was a fire department come and give us a notice for evacuation. We prepare for it for 15 minutes.
12: And when we knock your door next time, you got to get out. Experts call it a perfect storm with heavy rain, larger than normal snowpack, and flood mitigation measures happening further upstream.
3: I live in O'Kay Falls. Right on the creek bed of uh, McLean Creek. And my concern there is that I might be flooding out as
12: we speak now. Crews even pumping water over a shut down Seacrest Hill Road to avoid a washout. Too late on Highway 33 east of Kelowna.
8: The highway's gone. It's...
12: The six-kilometer stretch remains shut down in both directions because of a washout early Tuesday morning. I think it's going to take a lot of work to fix the situation. It's going to hold a lot of people up. From highways to homes, concerns over flooding continue to rise as crews desperately try to control the flow of water downstream.
13: If we were reactive in that
12: case, uh, it could be devastating. No doubt making hundreds of residents nervous, worried about what could happen on Mother Nature's terms. John Hua, Global
14: News.
1: Renewed discussions tonight about the idea of having just one North Vancouver. Tanya Beja joins us live on the North Shore with more on this. Tanya, this has been kicked around before, and last night, the district of North Vancouver brought it up again. That's right, Sophie. District councillors actually voted unanimously
9: to take another look at amalgamating with the city of North Vancouver. Uh, they say if they feel it could bring some cost savings to the region by just having one municipal government. They also feel it could lead to some better planning decisions on things like housing and transportation. So uh, the district will start polling residents as early as next month. They will also do some research to see how amalgamation would work here. Uh, But as you mentioned, this isn't the first time the ideas come up. There was actually a referendum back in 1968. That one failed, but district councillors feel it could be different this time around.
15: We think that after 50 years, times have changed, sentiments may have changed, and under the current legislation, a 50% majority in each community would be sufficient to reunify the two North Vancouver's.
9: Now, we're still waiting to hear what the city of North Vancouver thinks of all of this. We did head over there today and speak with some residents. They say they pay lower taxes and feel they have better snow removal, so
1: uh, no need for change. (laughs) Sophie and Chris, back to you. Change can be tough sometimes. All right, thanks for that, Tanya.
0: Well, pipeline politics between B.C. and Alberta heats up tonight. B.C.'s Attorney General David Eby calling Alberta's new legislation unconstitutional. Bill 12 gives Alberta the power to restrict the flow of oil, potentially spiking gas prices in our province. Keith Baldry explains Eby's ideas to fight it and Alberta's response. Building and operating pipelines are at the core of the Alberta economy, and that
16: province is now threatening to turn off the pipes to B.C. I think it's about time we had some control. Uh, we work hard. I think it's it's a no-brainer. The proposed Kinder Morgan pipeline expansion has the two governments locking horns, with the Rachel Notley Alberta government now possible. introducing a law to give it the power to reduce oil shipments anywhere, including to this province. The B.C. Attorney General today dismissing it as unconstitutional.
7: Before the bill passes, we could refer it uh, to our courts. Um, After the bill passes and receives uh, royal assent, uh, we could challenge it uh, in court as unconstitutional. Uh, And in the incredibly unlikely event that the government of Alberta actually thought that they had the authority under the law to use this act, we could be in court on an injunction to stop them from doing so uh, and to challenge it uh, and to sue the government of Alberta
16: but Alberta's energy minister says she has lawyers too, and insists the new law will withstand any constitutional challenge.
7: We, we can control our exports, and, and uh, that's uh, why that bill speaks uh, to exports going in any directions.
16: This Alberta-based political analyst says this simmering battle is political theater. It has nothing to do with being legal. It's
7: all political. It's a game of chicken. The question is, whose goose is going to get cooked first? Uh, and at this point, it's not certain. We think that they are very unlikely to use this, uh, given the analysis, and we think they know it, and,
16: uh, and it is a bill for political purposes only. But Albert, energy minister, says she's not playing chicken, she's playing for keeps.
7: Quite frankly, enough is enough. Uh, we're, we've introduced this bill, and we absolutely intend to use it if we need to.
0: All right. Keith Baldry joins us live from Victoria. Now, Keith, uh, Alberta does seem to be taking a hard line Mm -hmm. here, which is interesting because, as John Horgan and the provincial government likes to say, technically, B.C. hasn't actually done anything yet.
16: No, quite the opposite. In fact, the B.C. NDP government has been granting permits left and right to Kinder Morgan to Trans Mountain as they continue on the construction of that uh, uh, the prep work for the pipeline. More than 200 permits have been granted. Nothing else has been done from the B.C. perspective. It was true in the NDP campaign platform that they vowed to use every tool to block the pipeline, but since then they've received legal advice. The B.C. government has no legal power to stop the pipeline. Uh, all John Horgan's government has done is talk about uh, one day re- uh, sending a, a reference case to court to determine whether B.C. has the regulatory power when it comes to the flow of bitumen in B.C. But we're still weeks, if not months, perhaps even longer, away from that being in court. So as it stands right now, BC, the B.C. NDP government has actually helped uh, Trans Mountain to get this thing built. Uh, long on rhetoric about opposing it, but not actually taking action to oppose it. What's driving this is Kinder Morgan. That news release that said May 31st is a drop-dead date. That's got everybody scrambling to see if they can stay in the game or stay out.
0: Enough uncertainty on Kinder Morgan's part to back off a little bit. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. And we have some breaking news for you now. Former First Lady Barbara Bush has died.
1: Bush, the wife and mother of two former presidents, passed away today at the age of 92. During her time in the White House, she began the Barbara Bush Foundation for Family Literacy, creating or expanding more than 1,500 literacy programs throughout the United States. She is survived by her husband of 73 years, President George H.W. Bush, and five children, including, of course, George W. Bush, who became the 43rd President of the United States. Well, the city of Vancouver is considering a change to voting laws that could make a big difference in future municipal elections.
0: The motion to allow non-citizens, permanent residents specifically, to vote put forward by a councillor who believes it will encourage more people to get engaged in politics. Nadia Stewart has the story.
14: In just six months, Vancouverites will go to the polls voting for the next municipal government. But there are tens of thousands in the city who will be shut out of that process.
13: Why can't they vote in a municipal election? I believe they should have that right. And I think that's part of uh, helping them to integrate uh, as future Canadians.
14: An estimated 60,000 permanent residents call Vancouver home. They pay taxes, go to school, send their kids to school, and struggle to find housing just like everyone else. But unlike everyone else... They don't have a say in who gets to form government.
13: I think it's short-sighted. It's sort of like, okay, we want your money, we want your taxes, uh, the taxes that you're paying for city services, but you can't vote to determine the priority around those city services.
14: A group of young immigrants in Vancouver have launched an online campaign over the debate, saying the number of permanent residents who cannot vote amounts to about 30% of those who can But Canadian cities are now leading the charge for change. As many as 11 municipalities have requested their provincial governments consider allowing permanent residents to vote. Vancouver is the latest city to call for electoral reform.
9: I just think it's such an obvious way for people who have shown a desire to live in a society, in a city like Vancouver, to be able to participate.
14: This topic will be on the agenda Wednesday at Vancouver City Hall, with an aim to put it on the province's radar in the weeks and months to come, so everyone has a say in the next election. Nadia Stark, Global News.
1: Thousands packed Edmonton's Rogers Place in Edmonton today for the 11th funeral for victims of the Humboldt Broncos
0: bus tragedy. The tributes for four players, aged 18 to 21, who called the Edmonton area home.
12: I grew up in a small town, a hockey night in my hometown kind of place. An arena draped
8: in the Humboldt Broncos colors, thousands together to remember Jackson Joseph, Logan Hunter, Parker Tobin, and Stephen Wack. Jackson Joseph remembered for his love of family, his teammates, and the dressing room, where friends became brothers.
13: I will carry you in my heart through all of life's awesome moments and I look forward to the day when someone asks me about you and I smile instead of cry.
1: I hope you at the time of your life.
13: For
8: Logan Hunter, it was his sense of humor, friends, coaches and parents sharing stories of how he made them laugh, comforting others. I need you to call me, please text me, I need a hug, I need to hold your hand. I need to laugh. Then I can hear you say, Mom, I'm okay. Mom, don't worry, I'm safe. 18-year-old Parker Tobin was the Broncos' goaltender, an amazing athlete who made a positive impact on those
12: around him. His big smile and famous one-line chirps will definitely never be forgotten nor will his insane academic abilities that he shared with us many times in the classroom and on the team bus. Teacher Tobin was always there to help.
8: Stephen Wack, a defenseman from St. Albert, was the biggest member of his team. His brother wants him to be remembered for more than his brawn.
16: We'll overcome the adversity that this tragedy has caused and come back stronger than we were ever before. That is how Stephen lived his life. And as his little brother, I can confidently say that that is what Stephen would want his legacy to be.
8: Through song, the four were honoured with their team, the 16 who died. And as the service came to an end, one final goal celebration. Quinoler, Global News.
0: And time is about to run out on that record-breaking GoFundMe campaign to help the victims and families of the Humboldt crash. Our goal has been right from day one to support the needs of our families, and that is ultimately what we are going to do. We're going to. The, the Go team's FundMe president says the online points. fundraiser will close tomorrow night. So far, the campaign's raised more than $13 million. The money will be transferred to a memorial fund, and an advisory committee will decide how it will all be distributed.
1: Passengers screamed, prayed, and tried to keep a woman from being sucked out of their jet on a Southwest Airlines flight today from New York to Dallas.
0: Despite their best efforts, that woman died, and seven others were injured when one of the
4: plane's engines blew apart at 30,000 feet. A harrowing experience for passengers aboard a Southwest Airlines flight, forced to make an emergency landing in Philadelphia after its engine blew. Part of its covering ripped off, shattering a window and damaging the fuselage in midair.
16: The flight crew did an incredible job uh, getting this aircraft here on the ground.
4: Passengers on board described hearing a loud noise, many driven to tears. The left engine
7: blew, uh, and it apparently threw sh- shrapnel. Uh, into one of the windows and to pressurize the plane immediately.
4: The NTSB is now reporting a passenger died in the accident. There was a panic once the window broke, and she was out of the window. Um, everyone kind of rushed in to pull her back into the plane. Terrified passengers were forced to breathe through oxygen masks. Some posted images on social media. This
0: is a very sad day, and on behalf of the entire Southwest family, I want to extend my deepest sympathies for the family and the loved ones of the deceased customer.
4: The 737 en route from New York to Dallas had more than 140 passengers and five crew members on board.
16: The crew declared an emergency, brought the aircraft down. Um, As far as we can tell, the safety systems on board the aircraft
4: worked as designed for that type of a descent. Once safely on the ground, most of the passengers and crew were able to walk onto the tarmac. Seven other passengers were treated for minor injuries. The NTSB will lead the investigation. Mark Barker, NBC News.
1: Caught on video, a joke between friends almost turns into a tragedy in Poland. Two teenage girls walking together when one gives the other a playful push. The girl who's pushed is nearly killed by a passing bus. She quickly jumps up and her horrified friend hugs her in relief. Police find the 17-year-old who pushed the other girl, but the regional police commander reportedly wants to press charges against her for endangering the life of her friend.
0: Close call. And a bizarre story now out of the U.S. where a nationwide search is on for a 56-year-old grandmother Accused of two cold-blooded murders.
1: Police say Lois Reese not only killed her husband, but went on to kill a complete stranger so that she could steal her identity.
11: She's the Minnesota grandmother now wanted for two murders. She may look like anyone's mother or grandmother, but she's a cold-blooded murderer. Deputies in Minnesota believe Lois Reese shot and killed her husband late last month, stealing $11,000 from his account along with his car. The 56-year-old then went on the run, first stopping at a casino in Iowa to fuel what authorities believe is a gambling addiction, before driving off to southwest Florida. There, investigators say she found her second victim, 59-year-old Pamela Hutchinson. This surveillance video was taken at the restaurant, where detectives say Reese. Targeted Hutchinson because they looked alike. Hutchinson's family devastated.
3: She was nice to a fault. She was, her kindness got her killed.
11: Reese, with her new assumed identity, then stole Hutchinson's car and drove to Ocala, Florida. Authorities say she checked into a hotel, passing herself off as the woman she'd allegedly just murdered. Reese was later tracked to Louisiana and days ago near Corpus Christi. There's this general belief she headed to Mexico, wherever our suspect goes. If our suspect
16: ends up in Mexico working with our federal partners, we will never stop until she is brought to justice.
11: A grandmother with a disarming smile who detectives fear is deceptively dangerous. Kerry Sanders, NBC News, Fort Myers, Florida.
0: In health matters tonight, a U.S. task force has some new guidelines for preventing falls among seniors with one major change. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force says there's good evidence that physical activity and exercise is key to reducing falls. But in a reversal from previous guidelines, the task force no longer recommends vitamin D supplements, saying there is not enough evidence it'll help prevent falls.
1: A UBC professor is supporting an unusual solution to potential marital problems, sex robots. In her contribution to a new book, Professor Marina Adshade says bringing high-tech sex androids into the bedroom could complement a relationship as opposed to replacing a human partner. She says separating sex from marriage could actually take the pressure off some modern relationships.
8: Today, if you want to find somebody to marry, we want somebody who's you know, going to be our best friend, is going to be a great parent to our children if we want to have them, Uh, somebody we have this great sexual relationship with, that's actually a tall order. And it's it's hard to find somebody who satisfies all of those things. To me, uh, having access to sex robots takes one of those things out of the equation, right? Which should make it not only easier to find the other things, but actually maybe find somebody who's better at the other things because you're not having to compromise on finding somebody that you have sexual compatibility with.
1: Hmm. Adshade says someday more couples could choose companionship marriages that don't involve sex, but focus solely on the creation of a family.
0: There's a potentially powerful new weapon in the fight against one of Earth's biggest environmental threats.
1: British scientists say they have engineered an enzyme that eats plastic. Researchers at the
6: University of Portsmouth in Great Britain have made a discovery that could drastically reduce plastic pollution, one of the world's biggest environmental problems. They figured out a way for a natural enzyme to digest the strong plastic commonly used in bottles.
13: What's really special about this enzyme, it digests something man-made. These images
6: were magnified and sped up to show the enzyme breaking down the plastic into its two key ingredients.
13: Uh, Most enzymes uh, digest things, you know, maybe grass stains or things like that in your clothing. But this material has only existed for the last 50 years. So to have an enzyme involved actually eats this man-made material is really stunning.
6: It usually takes decades, if not centuries, for plastic bottles to break down. This process takes just a few days. So will this discovery help reduce pollution? Environmentalists say there's still a long way to go.
12: It does only focus
2: on one type of plastic. There are many different types of plastics that are used in our packaging and in our products.
6: Scientists say they're now working to improve the enzyme so that it works on a large scale. Terry Okita, CBS News, London.
1: My freckles should be coming. My hair should be getting lighter. Hmm. A Minnesota woman learns the hard way that sometimes Snapchatting isn't the best idea on icy stairs. That's right after Christy's forecast.
0: <laughs> Worth sticking around for, for sure. And so is that sunshine. What a beautiful day it turned into, Christy.
9: Yes, we saw some breaks of sunshine. It's gray out there right now, Chris, as you can see, but stunning nonetheless. Isn't that a spectacular? It
0: sure is.
9: Sure is. Beautiful British Columbia. A lot of are those birds or flies? <laughs> Flies. Okay, <laughs> Swarm of flies in there as well. All right. So, yes, stunning right across the province today, although it was great. Here's a look at some of your photos, starting off with Sydney Pier. Uh, thanks to Terry for that one. Just a beautiful shot. And another one from Cobble Hill, uh, uh, just south of the Cowichan Bay area. Stunning with the gray clouds even still. And also in Three Williams Lake. Thanks to George for that one. Now, we do still have a number of showers across the region. Just light showers that we'll continue to see overnight. But guess what? A drone trend on the way for your Wednesday. Here's a look at what you can expect in areas like Victoria and across the lower mainland. So 60% chance of showers overnight, but by tomorrow afternoon, you're going to need your sunglasses not umbrellas which will be nice warming up to 12 degrees which is still below average but we'll take it won't we meanwhile the rest of the province a bit of the opposite so we are seeing a number of showers across the region with that cloud cover tomorrow morning mainly dry in through much of the province in the afternoon though still a bit of instability you can see those pockets sort of like popcorn that pop up in the afternoon very very light if you see it at all it would be brief but that's your wednesday afternoon and then this is your thursday those of you in the north coast periods of rain but the rest of the province, some sunshine. That's what we have to look forward to. So for Metro Vancouver, dry weather from Wednesday through Thursday and potentially a little bit into our uh, Friday as well. There's your forecast. So the northern region seeing that rainfall, but further inland, we will see some cloud cover. And as I mentioned, that very, very slight chance of an isolated pop-up shower in through the afternoon hours. Still a fair amount of cloud, though, for your Wednesday. It's Thursday that you'll see the majority of the sunshine. South coast, the majority of these showers for metro vancouver down towards victoria or in the morning except for tofino up towards campbell river and Powell river showers for you potentially in through the afternoon hours but again that drying trend still on the way so there's your five-day forecast yes finally some sun and dry weather this week thursday and sunday are the two days you have to look forward to all right a reminder we have a great contest for you this week uh all you have to do is watch for this contest word, uh, code word, every night on the news hour, not only today, but right through the rest of this week for your chance to win an incredible four day, three night, all inclusive trip to beautiful Haida Gwaii. Check out the details at globalnews.ca slash BC slash contest
1: for your chance to win lovely part of bc all right thanks very much christy mm-hmm. well kayla cook of st paul minnesota found out the hard way that snapchatting
0: isn't for all occasions on the plus side we found out she's a pretty amazing photographer
3: and i'm not here looking like the christmas story in april
0: <laughs> kayla was snapchatting and complaining about the weather while shoveling snow at the top of a set of icy stairs <laughs> Remarkably, she managed to keep herself in the frame during her entire ride down the stairs, live on social media. She's okay, although we're guessing a certain part of her anatomy might be a little bit sore.
1: I think it's her hat. Is that what got in her way? Or was <laughs> Maybe. It the
15: she looks like an elf. <laughs>
1: yeah, I feel like the Snapchatting. But she, yeah, she kept the camera Something the right tells spot. me the
15: tailbone is a little tender. Yes. Could be. Could be. I love
1: the look in her eyes.
15: Job security. We
0: think it's bad in broadcasting, but what about the NHL? We're Wait, you still want here. To tell us something? <laughs> yeah, well, you know something we don't, well, know? <laughs> 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 don't know. You read the headlines, Lee. You lately? in some
15: secret meeting?
1: We're all here. We're all okay. here. Well,
15: not no. planning to go anywhere. No. No. <laughs> Actually, you know, There were no coaches fired during the regular season this year in the NHL, which is rare. But since the season ended, we have had two firings and one retiring. Today, uh, Glenn Gullitson was let go by the Calgary Flames. This is the second team he's been fired from. The second team he's been fired from after being on the job for two seasons. Same thing happened to him in Dallas. He, of course, you might remember, was an assistant with the Vancouver Canucks for three seasons. He uh, has been a head coach in the NHL for four years. In those four years, he's missed the playoffs three times. Okay, speaking of playoffs, Blake Wheeler, one of the most underrated players in the game in the Jets against Minnesota. Why was this not a penalty? Josh Morrissey right across the neck of Eric Stahl. I think he might get a phone call from head office tomorrow morning. Stahl was able to continue. Late in the first period, final minute. Kyle Connor, Mark Schifely, it's 1 nothing for the Jets. They named the Vezina Trophy finalists today for best goalie in the NHL. And uh, one of them is. Oh, we don't have it, darn. One of them is Connor Hellybuck, who's made some nice saves for the Jets so far tonight. All right. Toronto Raptors, Washington Wizards, game two. OG Ananobi with the three pointer there. The Raptors playing like a number one seed is supposed to play. DeMar DeRozan. He had 37 tonight. That's a three bagger right there. I guess three baggers, more baseball. Okay, a three pointer. And then Serge Ibaka. Well, I, I, hey, I can mix and match my, my sportsisms. Uh, Toronto wins it. They're up 2 0 in the series. It's taken a while, but UBC has refurbished its various fields and parks, making them first class facilities. Everything has turned out well. But what really catches your eye if you go out to UBC is the new baseball facility.
7: 21 years in the making, our training center, which opened a couple of years ago, which is state of the art, and now to put together a $5 million stadium. And it feels big league. You know, it's got the, the look to it, it's got a big league look to it. And players, they take pride in that type of thing.
13: Not only is UBC's new baseball stadium an instant hit for the Thunderbirds baseball program, the diamond has quickly become the crown jewel in Thunderbird Park
7: this is very uh, unique a Canadian university isn't supposed to have baseball facilities like this we're the only official program in the country that plays in the in the NAI in the US so to put that with a nine million dollar baseball complex now at at a Canadian university uh, really proud of what we've accomplished here
13: here means so much more than just the ballpark UBC spent 110 million dollars Upgrading the numerous facilities and playing surfaces that make up Thunderbird Park. The running track, rugby pitch, soccer fields, tennis facility, and Doug Mitchell Arena all received serious cash injections. As you can see, it's money well spent.
7: So the beauty of this complex is, is the diversity of it, so we can recruit for high performance and our varsity teams that are representing the, uh, the campus and the university well, as well as kids, there's a lot of kids and youth who use the facilities and have a chance to see the varsity athletes, as well as the adult recreation, the student recreation and the pro teams having the white caps here as well, so uh, complete across the sporting pathway we're well represented and it's a great attraction for people coming to UBC.
13: You don't have to be a sports fan to appreciate what's transpired at UBC. Already one of the top scholastic universities in all of North America, it now has state-of-the-art athletic facilities to go hand-in-hand with a top-notch education. And one more thing, that hefty price tag, 70% of the overall bill for these upgrades was paid through private or corporate donations with some government money sprinkled in as well.
7: At the end of their UBC experience, we want them to feel like they've transformed as a result of everything they're doing in and out of the classroom.
0: behind Pierce.
15: Honouring Jackie Robinson. Everyone wearing 42 on the Blue Jays. There goes this Pierce is the first of two because they couldn't play last night. That's yeah. Salarte with a home run. Boy, he's had a good start for Toronto. 2-0 in the first. They couldn't play yesterday because there was a hole in the roof from the ice storm. So the Blue Jays uh, had an afternoon and game and beat up on Kansas City. Steve Pierce, Pierce. driving in Randall Gritchik. And then Gritchick. Gets up with two men on and hits a home run.
11: 11 3, get
15: get the final. They're playing game two right now.
0: There you go. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has been getting a lot of attention for the fact that she'll soon be only the second world leader to give birth while in office.
1: And that fascination is only increasing with the news she'll be the first elected leader to go on maternity leave. <laughs> We celebrate
3: our diversity. Meet New Zealand's third female prime minister, Jacinda Ardern. You are the youngest female world leader of any nation. For now. (laughs) For now, yes. The prime minister is also pregnant and will be only the second elected head of state in history to give birth. The first was Benazir Bhutto in Pakistan. That was 30 years ago. But she's the first to take a six-week maternity leave. I don't want to ever give the impression that um, I'm some kind of Wonder Woman. That women should be expected to do everything because I am. I'm not doing everything.
12: Clark and I really excited. The baby's
3: father, professional fisherman and broadcaster Clark Gayford, will be a stay-at-home dad. The couple is not married. We haven't, sounds terrible, because we're very committed to each other. It's not something we've really gotten around to. We haven't correctly sequenced, perhaps. Um, But no one's really, no one really takes particular issue with that. Her humor and her candor are part of her success with voters. You know that the Wall Street Journal tweeted that you were Donald Trump of New Zealand when it came to immigration. That infuriated me. It infuriated me. We are uh, a nation built on immigration. We're campaigning to double our refugee quota. So you're not building a wall? Absolutely not. Later this week, the seven and a half months pregnant prime minister will meet Queen Elizabeth. It could get awkward. Headlines during Ardern's campaign suggested she wanted to ditch the Queen. You may have some splainin' to do when you get there. Ah, oh, look, no doubt. Her response has always been, these are matters for New Zealand. She says she won't push it, at least not now. Leading the country, having a baby, and taking on the Queen might be too much, even for her. Cynthia McFadden, NBC News, Auckland, New Zealand.
0: Stay-at-home dad, too, stepping up, which yeah. is yeah. nice yeah. to see.
1: That's great. Well, congratulations in advance to yes, them.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: All right, Christy, final word on the weather, and uh, there's some hope for us. There is. That's a pretty good forecast compared to what we've had
9: in the past couple of weeks, that's for sure. So finally, some sunshine later tomorrow, and then on Thursday as well. In fact, Friday morning will be dry as well, so almost two days of dry weather. We won't even know what I to do with ourselves.
0: I'm sorry, I- for a second there, I thought you said almost two days of dry weather. Yeah, exactly. Like in a That's, row you know.
9: or? In a row, maybe. Wow.
15: <laughs> and then what happens?
9: And then what happens, then it gets rainy again. Oh. But Sunday's not looking too bad, so hopefully that stays uh, to be the case. We're still days.
15: Do you predict that summer will come?
9: Ever? It, it will. Excellent. It will, okay. yeah. I guarantee you it. You heard
15: it here so, first. Have <laughs> a <laughs> great <laughs> night, folks.
0: Good night.